Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Friday, December 9th. And what a night of football from Baker Mayfield in his debut with the Los Angeles Rams. I feel like you've got to play um, going back to Cali, some sort of welcome to L.A. Baker Mayfield Welcome to Los Angeles. Folks, for three-plus quarters last night, the L.A. Rams looked completely dead. The game was unwatchable dreck. It was total garbage. Raiders couldn't do anything in the red zone, but they're leading like it's a wire-to-wire coast to the victory. It was very similar to what the New Orleans Saints were doing in Tampa on Monday night. And then on Monday... The GOAT woke up. Tom Brady, two long drives in the final six minutes. Bucks win. Bucks win. So the only difference here is Tom Brady is the GOAT, and he pulled off an amazing comeback. I think one of the greatest fourth-quarter comebacks of his career. The big difference here is Baker Mayfield arrived in Los Angeles on Tuesday. <laughs> on Thursday night, 48 hours later. The guy is orchestrating an unbelievable comeback. Just, just consider this. The Rams went 75 yards, a nine-minute drive, just a marathon drive, basically chewed up the bulk of the fourth quarter. They're down 16-3. They've got no hope. And what does Baker do? Baker delivers. All he does is keep making fourth-down conversions happen. Absolutely just unbelievable stuff from Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, is on his third team this calendar year. Now, they were helped by some penalties. Unbelievable offsides on a punt. I mean, bad, bad stuff. But Baker kept coming through. Huge uh, third down conversion. um, I'm sorry, fourth down conversion inside the five-yard line to Cam Akers. 
of course, the Raiders, you know, with their great offense that's put up 400 yards in three straight games. Josh McDaniels figured it out. Devontae Adams on fire. Josh Jacobs dominating. And what happens? In the one drive where they need to pick up yardage and kill the clock, they go three and out. Three and out. Punt the ball back to Baker Mayfield. Now, at this point, you know, Jacobs can't get one yard on third down. They punt at the two-minute warning. And it's basically a punt and pin. They're like, oh, we'll just we'll just pin him back. It's Baker Mayfield. He barely knows the receivers. The team is a disaster. We're, we're fine. And, of course, Baker Mayfield throws an interception, but there's a penalty for pass interference. And just absolute chaos unravels as Baker Mayfield goes down the field. And then he uncorks a bomb to Fan Jefferson for the 23-yard touchdown because inexplicably, the Raiders somehow... We're playing man coverage, like no help deep. All you can't do is give up the touchdown. And Baker looks off the safety, and it's bing, bang, boom. Folks, listen, the comeback was incredible by Baker Mayfield. Yes, but at some point this morning, Josh McDaniels is going to get filleted on social media, probably on television, probably on the radio. Consider this. The Raiders have lost to Jeff Saturday. And the Colts, five days after he became the interim coach. Jeff Saturday was pulled out of the ESPN broadcast booth. And the Raiders lost to him. And now, they lose to Baker Mayfield two days after he was picked up by the team to play quarterback. Just just let that sink in for a moment. I know everybody was hot for Josh McDaniels. Even this podcast, two days, we celebrated, hey, maybe the Raiders have a shot at the playoffs. But I did express some caution about the potential for Baker Mayfield to play spoiler. It didn't look good at 16-3 in the fourth quarter, and they're doing nothing. Fun stat for you just because, you know, you're the Raiders. 0-4 this season when leading by double digits at halftime. First team since 1930. That's 70-20, carry the two. That's 92 years. First team in 92 years to lose four times in a season, season when leading by double digits at the half. That, my friends is ineptitude. And I feel for Rob G, my buddy Dan, who listens to the podcast religiously, actually texted me last night after after the game. You know, and I got a bunch of tweets about Rob. Hey, check on Rob. Is he doing okay? My guy Dan says, please send someone over to Rob G's house for a wellness check. I, I hope Rob's doing all right. That, that was a gut punch. Listen, as a Jets fan, I'm very familiar with those kinds of losses. But when you're the Raiders and you win three straight, you got to be feeling like, hey man, we're close. We're close. We, if we can only break through, the schedule lines up for us. Look at the Rams. They're garbage. Rams are terrible. They have, have lost 15 million games in a row. Worst defending Super Bowl champs ever. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and you lose that game. Folks, I, I, I don't really know what to say. Baker Mayfield duplicated what Tom Brady did on Monday except he had just arrived on the team. Barely, probably, I mean, does he really know Tutu Outwell's name? Does he know Van Jefferson? Like, it it really was staggering stuff for Baker Mayfield. On some level, you have to be happy for Baker Mayfield. I don't care if you can't stand Oklahoma football, you hate Baker's attitude, you can't stand his uh, jaw-jacking and and, and relentless uh, cockiness from Baker Mayfield. You've got to really be happy for the guy. I mean, we were literally talking about him maybe being done in the NFL if he couldn't show anything with McVay. And he did basically nothing for three quarters and then showed out in the fourth quarter in an island game at home 
with the Rams to beat the Raiders. And if you're the o- uh, almost said Oakland Raiders, if you're the Las Vegas Raiders, folks, that's got to be rock bottom. I don't know what exactly you say in the locker room if you're Josh McDaniels because you've now blown four games when leading by double digits at the half. Everything was going wrong. Everything was going right. And then you have this Thursday night disaster. Folks, man, it's, it's going to be a long offseason for McDaniels and the Raiders. That is one of those games you don't easily bounce back from. And that's, listen, Josh McDaniels is going to have to answer a lot of questions. Derek Carr, um, what are you doing lining up Devontae Adams in the backfield? Just a lot of really shaky moves with a big lead on the road, knowing you were inches away from being there. For, for, uh, how about Derek Carr? Derek Carr, 11 of 20, a buck 37, two interceptions. One was unbelievably horrendous in the end zone. Forget about the interception on the on the final play. Um, but it's just a staggering dose of ineptitude on a Thursday night from the Las Vegas Raiders. The good news is we've got a great interview coming up on the podcast. Uh, he is at Football Outsiders. He is a hardcore Cincinnati Bengals fan. So he gives me the business, Robert Weintraub. He's written some books. He writes about the Bengals, exclu- not exclusively, but extensively. And we talk about gambling. We talk about week 14. Uh, listen, it, it's a good interview. At the end of it, I will offer best bets for this week. I'm going to give you a word of caution before you get to the interview and the best bets. Bit of a hot streak, four straight winning weeks in the contest. This week is difficult because it seems to me like everybody likes the same games. Anytime I go on social media, anytime I turn on a radio, on a TV, everybody likes the same teams, and I hate that. I don't like that at all. But without further ado, let's get to our guest from the Football Outsiders, Robert Weintraub. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a guy I've been sparring with, eh, friendly sparring on social media for a while. He writes for Football Outsiders, obviously some incredible stuff. Also a weekly columnist at Cincinnati Magazine, writing about the Bengals. Okay, he's an author. You know I've been down on the Bengals. Robert Weintraub. Rob, how you doing, man? I am doing great. Uh, I'm happy to be on with my uh, my twisted fire. And uh, <laughs> yes, you know, I, it's, I wouldn't say sparring. I just like to point out and give you a corrective yes. when, you, uh, when you unnecessarily uh, put the Bengals down as you are yes. to do. But that's okay. That's what the social media is all about, right? Yeah, I figured I'd have you on to do a victory lap after the Bengals dispatched Mahomes and Reed. They now own them, obviously. 3-0 and is Burrow against them. Cincinnati moves up to sixth in total DVOA. Their their odds to win the Super Bowl are soaring. I, I got to be honest. Like I, I wasn't a believer last year. They make this improbable run to the Super Bowl, nearly win the damn thing. Yeah. Then they fix their offensive line. Sputtered a little bit out of the gate. Burrow had the appendectomy, I think, in early August, and it looked a little sluggish, but they're clicking on all cylinders. Still no mixing, which may be a blessing in disguise we'll get to. But I wanted to bring you on because, obviously, besides the, your football acumen, but it's a big, sneaky, big matchup for the Bengals who have to face Deshaun Watson a week after he looked awful. <laughs> Burrow has struggled against the Browns, 0-4. And next week... You got Burrow and Brady. I'm sure we'll read a lot of 
uh, passing of the torch stories. Yeah. Uh, pri- uh, big uh, 4 p.m. game. I'm sure it's going to be like nationally shown. Burrow MVP. Like, there's a lot to chew on here. I don't. Where do you want to start, Robert? Well, let me start with saying this. Yes, the Browns have owned us. It actually predates uh, Burrow coming in. They've won eight and nine against Cincinnati. Uh, it's really kind of a historical corrective because the Bengals won eight of the previous nine and something like 21 of the previous 27 or something like that against Cleveland. So, I mean, AFC North game, Battle of Ohio, you're not going to have that kind of, you know, decade plus dominance over a team in your division. So it's probably a little bit of that. The Browns have owned the Bengals recently, not particularly because of Burrow. It's really because the Bengals are unable to tackle Nick Chubb and they're (laughs) unable to block Miles Garrett. You know, these are two all pros. A lot of teams can't tackle Chubb. A lot of teams can't block Garrett. Uh, But it's really come to a head against them. Garrett continues to destroy uh, the Bengals' left tackle, Jonah Williams, on a game-to-game basis. Chubb just eats them alive. The the key to the games has been in large part that the Bengals can't get the game script to where they want it, especially recently. They can't take a lead and sort of take Chubb out of the game because the Browns have to throw the ball more than they want to. It's really worked in the Browns' favor in most of those games. So, uh, you know, that's obviously going to be a key on Sunday, Watson being the X factor. Who knows what to uh, to think? Uh, obviously, as a Bengal fan, I don't think he should be playing at all. He should be He's uh, have received a lifetime suspension, but that's a whole other podcast. Oh, uh, lifetime. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yes. Right. I, I told you as a Bengals fan, I'm saying that. Yes. Yes, uh, yes. You always have to color everything through the orange and black stripes. You know that um, as you do with, with green. So that's just the yes. way that works. But I, I, you know, without knowing what to expect out of him, it's kind of hard to say exactly how the Bengals are going to, you know, face the Browns offense, which was pretty darn good, at least efficiency wise, DVOA wise. Uh, under Jacoby Brissett. That hasn't been their problem. Problem is they have the 31st ranked run defense by DVOA, and they've struggled all year to stop other teams from running the ball down their throat. Uh, And the Bengals have found a running game in recent weeks. That's a large part of why they've overcome what you uh, accurately term their sluggish start. You know, the the beginning part of the season, yes, Burrow was, you know, slow to come back from an appendectomy, and the offensive line was struggling to protect them a little bit. But mainly, they were not running the ball well. They were trying to force kind of a zone uh, blocking scheme and athletic outside zone scheme onto a bunch of players who were new but not really fitted to that scheme. They've replaced it in season, which is not that easy to do, uh, with more of a sort of straight-ahead pin and pull is what they call it, style of blocking. It fits the lineman better. It fits Joe Mixon better. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, he's good again. It doesn't matter what system he's in. He's always good. And uh, – you know, they, they've really found something. They've been one of the most efficient running teams in the league over the past six, eight weeks now. Uh, and, you know, you saw it against Kansas City. You saw it against Tennessee. They can run the ball even when teams are looking to stop them. And, you know, they kind of have to run the ball. That's a rarity in Cincinnati. Low these many years, the Bengals have never had a, a running attack that you can rely on in the fourth quarter when it comes to winning time and putting games away. That's why I think this team has a little bit – uh, realistic, more realistic chance of of going far in the playoffs, even than last year. Last year, as you said, was just a rocket ship out of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. And what happened was really the special teams and the defense played out of their minds for three weeks and Burrow made just enough plays. But this year's offense is much more balanced, much more reliable. Burrow is playing at a higher level. The running game is at a much higher level. And, you know, no, you never know what happens come uh, the postseason, but they're certainly a better team than they were last year. So, yeah, my confidence level is sky high, which is usually when, you know, the other shoe drops. But that's a whole other story. 
Is it possible, Robert, for this to be a sandwich game? Last week, Chiefs, obviously massive. Next week, Brady and the Bucks, obviously enormous. But is this canceled out because the Browns are such a rivalry with the Bengals? Yeah, I think there's both those things can be true, right? Um, there's definitely, you know, this is not just a sandwich game for this little three-week stretch, but the Bengals have this really rough schedule all the way down to the end of the season. They still have Buffalo ahead. Huge game potentially with the Ravens ahead. There's an easy possibility they'll be looking uh, down the line toward the games in late December and then into the playoffs and think, well, the Browns, whatever, even if uh, you know they play us, they're not making the playoffs. Who cares? But as you say, A, it's a division game. B, they've had this great success in bragging rights, and they're a little chesty over there in Cleveland because of that. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that you know Zach Taylor, given credit, that you can point to this or that in a lot of ways with a lot of coaches, but one thing he's done – is really keep the team focused on not having that kind of letdown, uh, not having games where they've been, you know, just obviously looking ahead to the next week or just throwing the helmets out on the field and expecting to beat a team on talent. Uh, you know, he's put in the mantra for Cincinnati. You know, everybody's talking about this hard schedule. He said, hey, they got to play us. <laughs> and I think the team is really, you know, bought into that. You know, it sounds a little cheesy, but this is this is team sports. These kind of things are important. And, uh, you know, because of the fact that the Browns have had not just a division game, but because they've had this whammy on Cincy uh, and the Deshaun Watson factor, I think that they'll you know, not really be overlooking this game. Mm -hmm. I think one thing to remember about the game they played back on Halloween is that, uh, you know, one of their assistant coaches, Adam Zimmer, the son of Mike Zimmer, well-known former coach of the Vikings and also a defensive coordinator yeah. in Cincinnati. And just joined the uh, staff of, with Coach Prime out there in Colorado, which is interesting. That's a uh, whole other podcast, too. But uh, so Adam Zimmer, the son of Mike, actually died, passed away tragically uh, the day of that game uh, on Halloween against the Browns. And it's impossible to know what that really had an effect on the team, but it obviously cast a pall over the entire situation. So, um, you know, you have to factor that in at least a little bit. The team has put that behind them, hopefully, as much as you can. And, uh, you know, that's that seems like a long time ago now. So, uh, yes, the potential for a sandwich game is there. But the way that the Bengals have been playing and the way the trends have been for them, I like to think that they'll uh, they'll have their full focus on Cleveland this week. They might not beat them, but they uh, they won't. Interesting. Six and a half there. point favorites might not beat them. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, all right. So it's weird. You mentioned Zach Taylor. I didn't think I mentioned him here the first 10 minutes of our talk. Mm. You know, they're surging. Uh, Zach Taylor was so bad his first couple of years that I feel like people are still reluctant to give him credit. I feel like Lou, and I always butcher his last name, Amarono, however you say it, the defensive coordinator, he gets more credit than Zach Taylor. It's like Burrow, the D.C., Chase, uh, Hendrickson, which was a great signing. Like, we're reluctant to give Zach Taylor much credit. I, I don't know. Who made the switch to go to Burrow in the shotgun as opposed to under center when they had Mixon. Was that a Burrow thing? Was that a Zach Taylor, the offensive coordinator? Uh, talk to us about that situation. Well, let's go back to the beginning, right? Zach Taylor got that job in the wake of being a Sean McVay, quote-unquote, acolyte, you know, an assistant, whatever you want to say. That was at the height of McVay's uh, boy genius powers, and Zach Taylor was just seen as kind of a flavor of the month hiring because of, you know, his association with the Rams and McVay. Okay, so you look at him and he had six wins in his first two years. The team was horrible. He was obviously changing over a you know, bunch of personnel from the, the remnants of the Marvin Lewis era to his own team. Uh, they drafted Burrow in his second year, 2020, and then obviously he goes down halfway through the season 
right as the team seemed to be gelling a little bit. Uh, so, you know, it, it was very easy, as you say, to just say, yeah, you know, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's Dave Shua 2.0. But uh, <laughs> he's done a heck of a job in certain ways. And I think when you bring up the offensive uh, changes, you know, that's not easy to do. A lot of coaches, especially a guy like him who – you would think we'd just bring in the Sean McVay system and, and say, here's what we did in L.A. and it worked great and we're going to do it here in Cincinnati. But he's done a lot of changes to that system and to, as I mentioned before, like the running game. And as you pointed out, you know, kind of going way more into the shotgun and running out of the shotgun, which they're much more effective at. Uh, just in-season changes. He's not afraid to say, look, this isn't working. I was wrong. Let me yeah. get with Brian Callahan and Burrow. Dan Pitcher behind the scenes is a guy who's really uh, influential with the team. He's the quarterback's coach, but he's a he's an OC in waiting. Uh, you know, I don't want to assign percentages, but he's the he's the head coach, so you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's done a really good job being flexible, not you know playing favorites. He's a guy who you know they signed uh, they drafted Jackson Carmen last year in the second round, and they looked at him and saw that he wasn't good, and they said let's get him out of here and put this fourth rounder that we drafted this year in his place. Cornell Olson, and he's played much better. Uh, he's been always willing to do that, and he's, you know, play calling or clock management. You know, every coach has their issues at certain times with both of those things, in-game things. But I think the big picture is, A, he's really changed the culture, and you don't hear about that a lot. And every coach says, uh, you know, I'm going to come in and get rid of the ping pong tables and we're going to be a hardcore, you know, football only team. And then the next coach says, put the ping pong tables back in and we're going to be loosey goosey. And that's a player's coach and that kind of thing. And, you know, really what it means is he has the trust of the players. They've been very consistent about the kind of player they want. Smart, heady, you know, kind of leadership guys who are captains in college and players that other guys listen to. Uh, and, you know, he really has changed the culture, which is hard to do in Cincinnati, especially. And just in general, as a head coach in the NFL, it gets a lot of lip service, but not always that easy to do. And so you have to give him credit for that. I, I think you're right that he gets overlooked partially just because of, you know, he's kind of a plain Jane looking guy. He's not really dynamic out there. He's not a tough guy like like Vrabel. Uh, he hasn't had the you know length of success that other coaches have had. But, you know, he was in the Super Bowl last year. That's not easy to do for any coach. And he has the team playing very well again this year. And, you know, most of his personnel and, and overall strategy moves have worked out. So, uh, you know, you have to put him – I'm not saying he's the coach of the year and one of the top five in the league necessarily, but right. got to give him his credit. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. 
Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, so I'm looking at the Week 14 slate. A lot of great games. Mm. I see this um, Chargers-Dolphins game. I have a, a beef with all the Miami fans. They think I hate Tua just for being a little minorly critical of him. I like Tua. I'm rooting for him. I, I just... I don't know what to make of this Miami team. You you look at the numbers that you guys put out at uh, Football Outsiders, and like Miami's good, but according to Football Outsiders, they're eighth in overall DVOA. The Jets are ninth. Like I know there's a bit of a gap there. They're closer to Kansas City than at seven, and then the Jets are to Miami. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the Dolphins? In the, and do you like them this week against the Chargers as road favorites? Uh. I, I like him only because in this sense, just because everybody made so much and rightfully so about Tua against a, a rough defense and the 49ers are about as good as uh, we have in the NFL. Now going to play against the Chargers defense, that's going to feel like, you know, a, a teacup ride for him. That's going to be very comfortable all of a sudden in the pocket. And yeah. you know, as we all know, that's where Tua and most quarterbacks struggle is when you get them off their spot speed up their decision-making process. And Tua's game is so much about timing and accuracy and, being on the same exact mental time, uh, mental slot with his receivers, that if you can disrupt that, he's obviously not the same quarterback. And, uh, you know, I don't believe that the Chargers can do what the 49ers did against him. Uh, it doesn't mean they're going to win. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, all of a sudden the Dolphins are going to score 45 points against them. But they should be able to move the ball and feel much more comfortable than they did uh, against San Francisco. Uh problem with the Chargers is so many of their playmakers on offense have, are obviously injured. They've, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're kind of a mess offensively. They're relying so much on Herbert just to be Superman that it's it's taken a toll on him. I think you've seen as the year has gone along, and uh, you know, in a matchup where they have to wind up scoring as many points as Tua uh, and the Dolphins' offense might be a tall order for them. I could see this, you know, Miami putting him away with a couple of late scores in in that sense, and mm-hmm. and you know, the Chargers not being able to to match them score for score as they need to. Obviously, this can all change if they get some early pressure and kind of remind two of what he had last week. And, you know, these things tend to carry over sometimes in games. And you see guys, especially quarterbacks, have a bit of a mental carryover, whereas last week he was so 
put off from his, you know, kind of carpet ride that he had the last few weeks where he was really <laughs> playing bad defenses. You know, the Chargers aren't as bad as some of the defenses he had played in that gap. But you bring up the Jets, and, you know, they're really very equivalent teams. They just do it in different ways. I mean, we kind of think of the Dolphins as better just because we are e- more easily able to, to see how offense works. And we well, love I, to, I, to be clear, Robert, I, I don't think they're better. Now I know the Jets beat them, their third string quarterback, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I'm not that as impressed with Miami as everyone else. They've beat a lot of bad teams. Yeah, they they I mean I think they are who who's everyone else? They're not as good as the Dolphins fans think they are, and they're right. probably a little bit better than some of the you know uh national media who do, do, don't love Tua like. And and Tua's played well this year. He's played extremely yes. well. You have to give him credit for that. And uh, you know, he's He's made the most of the situation. It just goes to show, again, coaching does matter, obviously. And the coaching he had from a defensive coach who apparently had some kind of personality conflict with him over the past couple of years and Brian Flores. Really? Yeah. Now you have uh, Mike McDaniel, who is doing for him. I thought uh, we had an exchange over this, which maybe I was a little tongue-in-cheek about it. But, you know, he's doing for Tua what Shanahan did, uh, Mike Shanahan did for Matt Ryan, when he was Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator back in 2016, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl and should have won it. Um, now, is Tua you know, a seasoned veteran as good as Matt Ryan was that year? Maybe not quite, but the point is he's getting a lot of open looks. He's, generally speaking, before last week, extremely comfortable in the pocket, and they're playing to his strengths. You know, that's what you want out of a team. You've seen it when that's not the case, uh, and, you know, he can only you can only do more than than that they're only going to go as far as they can sort of scheme uh their players open in the especially down the stretch and they'll be playing a lot better defenses so i don't think of them as necessarily a long-term threat for the super bowl this year but i think they're you know certainly in the top let's say 14 13 12 teams in the league uh and a threat to beat you on any sunday that's for sure uh let me ask you about the minnesota detroit game detroit's Mm. at home they are favored, which has angered a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans. <laughs> the Vikings, who uh, are 9-0 and in one-score games, two-point underdogs in Detroit. I, now, I, I'm sure the professionals have pushed the Detroit number up. I'm actually seeing, geez, two and a half uh, in, in one spot. But is this a game you can ride with Detroit, or is just too many people on this talking about it? You know, if this was five years ago, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but I think it's a big deal uh, given the current gambling climate. Yeah, and I, that number has changed dramatically, right? I mean, that opened, yeah. I believe, with the Vikings favored maybe by as many as two, two and a half points. So that's yes. a huge move. Uh, you would know better than me as the gambling aficionado. I learned my lesson long ago not to put any actual money down on these games, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's like a, um, some of them are coin flips, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, you know, if everybody is suddenly going for Detroit, that is reason enough just to think the Vikings win uh, on that alone. I will say this, though. Detroit is playing extremely well. Their offense is white hot. Uh, you know, funnily enough, since trading TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings, uh, the Lions have really opened up offensively. Um, ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator uh, for the Lions, has put his scandal-plagued track and field history behind. No, no, different Ben Johnson. Uh, I was gonna, but- <laughs> I, it's funny you say that. I, I was going to ask you. I'd never heard of Ben Johnson. I know, right? Had had you ever heard of him? No, the common I, I, name only because I happen to be friends with a close friends with a couple of Detroit guys who mentioned oh. him in passing. That they have this guy and that they're really high on him as kind of a you know the next offensive guru. Uh, but you know, not in terms of like 
big picture, here's the guy who, you know, is going to set the league on fire. And, you know, I'm not so sure necessarily that he has, but give him credit. They've been really hot these last few games. They, Jared Goff has played extremely well. Uh, he's like third in DVOA among all quarterbacks. His middle of the field passing is where he really excels. When you get him outside the numbers, he's not quite as as good statistically and metrically speaking. Um, and it's really been when Amon Ross St. Brown is out there, I, I saw a couple of numbers that essentially point to the fact that when uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is on the field, Jared Goff is vintage Matt Stafford. And when he's not on the field, he's Jared Goff. I mean, I think that kind of is a little easier way of putting it a little simplistic. I don't, maybe, but I don't see him on the injury report. So, so that's going to be good playing. Goff indoors. Yeah. Intr- that's interesting. Now, what about Minnesota? Do they defend the middle of the field well? or Because that's like an interesting nugget right. that I had uh, not considered. And they uh, are certainly not in the top. You know, it's we're not talking about the 49ers and Fred Warner over there, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. definitely not. Uh, and they've had their struggles defensively all year. You pointed out, you know. I mean, Mac Jones lit them up. Your guy, Mike White, lit them up. I mean, you know, they, they're they not exactly a team that's going to beat you because they shut you down uh, on your crossing patterns and, and collision those crossers that uh, – that the Lions like to do, and uh, and they're not really a great run defensive team either. You know, if they can't get immediate pass rush, they're a pretty vulnerable squad. So I like Detroit to score some points. As you mentioned, Minnesota is also on a bit of a magic carpet ride. They're, they're pulling out really a unsustainable and historically uh, uh, amazing uh, run of one-score games. Of course, last year they lost a ton of one-score games. So that, you know, it's called the plexiglass principle in, in analytics when you are – extremely good or extremely bad at something you hit the plexiglass and bounce back toward the middle that's sort of the mm. uh, the rationale there so it makes sense they would be better at one score games this year but they've gone extremely into the other direction i just don't like the trends for the vikings you know they can they kind of feel like they're just desperately hanging on every week to pull these games out or you know relying on josh allen uh you know pulling the fumble at his own goal line instead yeah. of the game away that, that kind of stuff and obviously the jets had him on the ropes and just couldn't oh. get that knockout punch last week which i'm sure was a, a gut punch for you um so you know it almost feels like it's time now that it goes the other direction and, and maybe the lions get the break you remember when they played i think it was week three uh the lions yeah. controlled the game for almost the entirety of it and dan campbell decided to kick a field goal after going on fourth down the whole way and it missed, and the Lion, uh, the Vikings rather pulled it out with a couple of late touchdowns. You know, it, it feels like a game that should go the other way. Uh, my only hesitation on that is, as we were talking about at the top, because everybody now likes the Lions and the gambling yeah. sharps. Everybody seems to be on them, the public and the sharps both. That might be a reason I think the Vikings uh, have a little bit of magic left in them. But I'd, yeah, I'd think could... for it myself. Okay. Uh, it's just a tough one. I mean, it's a tough yeah. week. We can wrap up with this one, Robert. Carolina at Seattle. Mm. So this was I somewhere near seven, six and a half, seven, and then all kinds of Carolina money came in, and now it's coming back the other way, Seattle. I know nobody really believes in the Seahawks, like truly believes. Everybody has a good run every now and then, but Carolina off the bye. Yeah. Seattle got a little lucky to escape the Rams last week. Any thoughts on this one? I just think getting Baker Mayfield out of your building is always a good thing. So that'll obviously help Carolina in a nutshell. Now, uh, well, listen, Carolina in general has actually played pretty well. I mean, it's kind of sounds counterintuitive uh, and especially once Matt rule was fired. uh, And, you know, I think 
there's a little bit of, oh, you know, we're playing loose and there's only for our jobs and a little bit of, you know, nobody believes in us anyway. We have nothing to play for except each other kind of thing going on. All the cliches yeah. uh, with Carolina. But in general, outside of the game they played against Cincinnati, ironically enough, where they were just destroyed early on, uh, they've been competitive and have played hard in a lot of these games, especially defensively. They, they can give Seattle uh, all they want. I think Seattle obviously needs the game quite a bit more, although you could make the argument that if Tampa didn't pull out that game from their uh, rectum, shall we say, uh, on Monday night, Carolina might have been, you know, sniffing a division title there out of nowhere, and That's it's still not point. impossible. So, you know, it's a fascinating game, and it's an interesting matchup. Obviously, Geno Smith has played far better than anyone expected. He's Metrics-wise, he's been excellent. Uh I know it hurts as a Jets fan to see him doing this kind of stuff. No, no, no. I'm happy for the guy. I mean, (laughs) it's one year. Listen, it's like a 10-game run, basically. He hasn't been great in all of them. And and anybody can pull that out of the brewer end, you know? Yeah, and I think think he's getting some, you know, as we were talking about with Tua, you know, it's he's gotten confidence and he's playing comfortably in a pocket, which he really has not had a lot of opportunities to do before. And, you know, he's getting he's making the most of his opportunities to his credit. And Seattle's, you know, playing, you know, they, they built their team. It's a very young team. It's a team that makes mistakes when you really don't need them to, which is a hallmark of young teams. And that's certainly, you know, pull, I think that you'll see that more down the stretch as the season goes along with Seattle. Teams like that that are built on a lot of draft picks and enthusiasm and Pete Carroll jumping up and down on the sideline. <laughs> it's all great. But then when it comes to, you know, the important games in that long stretch, that last month of the season when everybody's exhausted and you're playing on muscle memory, that's when it hurts young teams that don't have uh, a ton of, you know, a ton of winning experience behind them. So I I do think Seattle is, you know, a long-term play, not really a team you can look for. They might sneak into the playoffs just by default in the NFC, but, uh, you know, I I, I definitely think Carolina can play with them this weekend. And as you mentioned, off the bye, they'll be fresh. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating contest. It really is. There's a lot of games like this this particular yeah. weekend. Last week was like the, you know, kind of the 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 what the marquee games where everybody was looking at those as you know really collisions at the top. Mm-hmm. This week is more. Oh, there's a lot of interesting sort of subtleties to these games, and you know, at first blush, you might say, "Oh, easy win, easy win, easy win." But I think we're going to see, as we do most Sundays. A lot of games down to the stretch, close games, and the yeah. gamblers who have actual money on the line are going to be uh, riding that surfboard back yeah. and forth on the waves of despair and ecstasy, as they always do. Seattle 0-3 against the spread their last three. They're right. clearly struggling. I don't look at success rate and EPA that much. Are those things you look at or no? I mean, yes, I look at them. Uh, I don't think they're a be-all and end-all, just as I don't right. think... I mean, there's no, nothing is be-all and end-all, right. right? I mean, you know, even the football outsiders metric, which I should mention that, you know, I... I right for football outsiders but uh i don't you know crunch the numbers uh, I, i'm not the math guy i'm the guy who interprets the math and puts it out there uh for the masses yeah i'm one okay. of them so i don't want to uh, claim credit for being some uh some math genius that's uh, aaron schatz and then some of the other guys there but yeah. i definitely believe it's a, an important stat efficiency like epa like some of the other success rate you know they what they do is they just they cut out some of the nonsense talk around the league where a team is considered a great uh, defensive or a defensive team because they, uh, you know, don't give up a ton of yards through the air, let's say, but that's because they're behind all the time. And the other team is running on them for most of the second yeah. half, things like that. You know, the drill, it just, yeah. you know, it cuts away some of the fluff and gets to the heart of what a team is either good at or not good at. And I think if you take them all in, in combination, they can really give you a good 
sign of how the Bengals are great and the Jets are so-so. And, uh, that's what we're <laughs> well, Seattle, uh, their defense in the last month yeah. is like bottom five in EPA and success rate. They can't stop anybody. No. So uh, I, I think I'm probably with you on Carolina. All right. Uh, he is Robert Weintraub. Robert, you, you're a veteran. I mean, how many books have you written? I've written four books. Thank you for asking. Uh, and uh, you're a fellow New York guy. If I could throw a quick plug out there. I, uh, Fire all, away. All my other stuff is a, uh, a newsletter, Substack, like everybody else. But if you go oh, to nice. weintraubr.substack.com, I'm actually counting down the top 1,000 games. 1,000 games, matches, fights, whatever, horse races, everything that have ever taken place in New York sports history. Wow. Uh, so that's a uh, what, what number are you at? Only about 987. Now, oh, pretty my early. gosh. Wow. Just right. started right, it. Right. So we got a lot to come. A lot of Jets games to yeah, come. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time, Robert. Uh, have a good one. Of course, Jason. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on-and-off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game 
is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet. Good stuff from Robert Weintraub of the Football Outsiders. And I wish I could report that I was with him on the Bengals this week. But unfortunately, uh, Robert and Bengals fans... I'm on the Browns getting six. Now, there's a chance the Browns get smashed, and uh, Cleveland, you know, is officially who we thought they were, a team that has a quarterback who's played one game in 700-plus days and looked quite bad. But as the numbers state, and Robert put him out there, Nick Chubb has owned the Bengals. Miles Garrett has dominated whoever, whichever tackle he's faced. And I just think this is too big of a number. I think the uh, Bengals are being overvalued a little bit in the market because of the win over KC. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on the Browns. I will be taking them in the contest. Contest locks? Oof. Browns for sure at six. Um, the look ahead, by the way, in that game was three and a half. So the market has adjusted by two and a half. Cleveland looked terrible, struggled with Houston. Cincinnati takes down KC, which was by everybody's account number one in the league. That, I mean, there's the handicap there. That, that, do you need much more? You know, when you look at X's and O's, Cleveland has done well. Stefanski has showed well against Zach Taylor. We'll see if it continues. Browns close loss, and I'm fine. Um, Carolina Panthers getting three and a half in Seattle. Folks, at this point, I have you know reached a stage where I understand that I will be losing the bet on Seattle finishing under 500. It felt like a safe bet when I made it. I mean, their win total was, what, six and a half? And I bet they—I said I would shave the Seahawks logo on the side of my head if they finished under 500. Well, it looks like that's going to happen. I said it on Cowherd Show, and um, yeah, I'll be doing that because I think Cincinnati's going to finish over 500. They just need two more wins. And their final, what, five games? Come on, that feels like a layup. Uh, Rams had them, blew it. I, if, if, if the Panthers win, I'll have a shot. And I think the Panthers will be live in this one. Seattle, by the way, Kenneth Walker not practicing. That's big. And I think I said it in the segment with Robert. Uh, Seattle kind of fading here. 0-3 against the spread in their last three when they can't run the football. Geno Smith is forced to do more. Uh, you got J.C. Horn, a very good cornerback who should be able to slow D.K. Metcalf. As long as someone else can find Lockett, Lockett's been eating. I think uh, Carolina can hang around and, and get the W. Uh, I did take the three and a half. Looks like it is up to four. Oh, lovely. I got a bad number. Oh, no, it's three and a half in the contest. I'm sorry. Three and a half in the contest. So if you can get four in Carolina, sure. Now, there has been an adjustment. Carolina off the bye. Seattle did not look great. Um, next game, Baltimore Ravens. I, this is tough. I didn't even realize that the Steelers had won four straight against the Ravens. No Lamar Jackson. It'll be Huntley. Huntley did face them last year. Got the cover, but not the win. Pittsburgh favored by two. It, you know, you, you love Tomlin as a dog. Do you love him as a favorite against Baltimore in what's going to be a total grinder? Uh, Sorry to reference a um, dating app there. But I actually believe I I took the first half under 17.5. I'm looking at the full game under, yes, under 36.5. Sounds crazy. But this is typical 13-10, 17-13, that kind of game. You know, Pittsburgh, despite the wins, remember those two wins came against uh, inferior competition. Like, ooh, whoop de damn do you beat Atlanta. Congratulations. You, you want a cookie for that? Baltimore, a little bit of a step up. Now, their offense stinks, but their defense is very good. I expect the defense to shut down Pickett, and this could be first to 13 wins, first to 10 wins. I don't know. It, uh, maybe a defensive touchdown if, if Huntley gets loose with the ball. But I will almost certainly be taking Carolina, um, not Carolina, well, Carolina, but also the Baltimore Ravens in the contest. One that I bet and I really, really, really badly want to take, but I know a lot of people are against me, Philadelphia Eagles, favored by seven on the road. 
Yes, I've seen Philly has struggled on the road. I think they haven't, I think they're like one in four against the spread on the road in their last five, something like that. But they could not care, uh, cover in Houston, uh, did not cover in Indy, needed some luck. This is a play against the Giants. Overtime game, defense on the field for 82 plays. They know what's ahead next week in Washington. Philadelphia is, I think, about as healthy as they've been. If you notice, since they got Linval Joseph and Ndamukong and Sue, and now Jordan Davis is back healthy, teams have struggled to run on them. Jordan Davis only came back last week, but they haven't, uh, I think they're giving up like 97 yards rushing per game since they acquired those two. And now Jordan Davis is back. And if you take away the run from Saquon Barkley, I just, I'm just very curious where we're going to find Daniel Jones here. Is he going to be putting the ball in the air? Because that's what I want to see if I'm an Eagles fan. And I do have some concerns about the Eagles offense kind of regressing after that outburst against Tennessee, but I, I can't resist it. I'm sorry, guys. Eagles, seven on the road. Uh, Jacksonville, three and a half is probably going to be a contest pick for me. I do want to see the Trevor Lawrence update as late as I can see it. I, I, I just don't think Tennessee's very good. The Traylon Burks injury. You got to look at that injury report for the Titans. They got beat up badly. Uh, Burks' concussion is significant. If Danico Autry can't play again, they're getting no pressure. The secondary's getting lit up. Uh, this could be a good big game for Christian Kirk in my fantasy playoffs. I, I like a lot about the Jaguars this week. Dallas Cowboys, 17. Listen, I told you guys earlier this week, I bet it. I, I can't go out here and tell you, go ahead, lay it with Dallas. I did. It, you know, everybody's in a different financial stratosphere. Um, I don't mind laying 17 with Dallas. I know that goes against every lesson. Never bet double-digit favorites. Uh, 17 is uh, three scores. I mean, Dallas could be up 24 nothing, and Davis Mills comes in the back door with a touchdown, and you get a push. Or they go for two. You know, I, I, but the problem is, is Dallas only going to score 24 points? And then there's no look-ahead spot with Jacksonville looming for Dallas. Uh, the only potential distraction I see is this Odell Beckham stuff, but... That's hardly an issue for me. Davis Mills back under center. Maybe Dallas takes them lightly, but we haven't seen them take anybody lightly, really. This Dallas defense should be swarming. Lead the league in sacks. I love everything I've seen from Dallas. I, I, know, I know I've been irrationally high on them guys, but it's a damn good Dallas Cowboys team. Just be careful. I know McCarthy in the postseason. There's some questions. Yes, those are very valid questions, but um, I think I like Dallas at 17. Chargers getting three. Uh, this is kind of a wait and see. The big news for the Chargers. This was three and a half, now down to three. Chargers offensive line's getting healthy. Both tackles and Corey Lindsley practicing. Doesn't mean they're going to play. Let's see what the injury report says later today. But I think this is a spot where Justin Herbert's able to feast on a very overrated Dolphins secondary. Remember, Brock Purdy did a pretty damn good job moving the football. Justin Herbert's going to make it rain out there, okay? Williams back allegedly. Keenan Allen, um, even Palmer, Eckler, Everett. This is, uh, the total here is 52. Highest, I believe, yeah, uh, yeah, it's actually 52 and a half, so it's higher than Vikings-Lions. I really want it. By the way, in that game, I really want to take the Lions, but it, it, everybody and their mom is on the Lions. So, of course, that's a game that they're going to shit the bed. Uh, Jared Goff is going to, just be awful, and Kirk Cousins is going to be like an MVP candidate. So I'm a little leery taking him in the contest. I would love it if the Vikings go down the field and score a touchdown, and I can get the Lions at like a, maybe a four, four and a half. Uh, I'm sorry, not four. They would they would be favored. Um, I was saying if I could get the Lions at an underdog price if they fall behind early, because this team will come back. But the Lions' first halves have been incredible. 
One of the best scoring teams in the first half in the league. I would love an early deficit. Then they're not favorites. They might be slight dogs at down 7 nothing. I think there's even more value on the Lions. I'm not going to talk about the Jets here because I'm actually nervous about this game. If Mike White embarrasses himself like he did against the Buffalo Bills last year with four interceptions, we're back to square one and maybe seeing Zach Wilson under center next week. And then it's like, oh, we went from, yeah, Mike White, good story, two games to, oh, got it. Okay, he can't play good teams. That's what Zach Wilson was dealing with. And then you need to draft a quarterback or you get in the Derek Carr sweepstakes. It's a big game for the Jets. I am nervous. Bills have revenge on the mind, but they also have Tua looming next week in what is a massive revenge game and will probably lock up the division if they win these next two weeks. It's a great card. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about Broncos, Chiefs. I want to take the Chiefs, but nine and a half on the road, no thanks. Niners, Bucks, it's for me, 49ers are nothing. I would love to see Tom Brady in this pathetic Bucks offense even try to move the football against the Niners. I don't know what they're possibly going to do. I, like, seriously, this is, you know what this game is going to remind me of? Uh, remember that ugly Tampa Green Bay game earlier this year where it was like 14-12 was the final? It was just ugly, slow, defenses dominated. I think that's going to be the case here. There is some concern, like if Brock Purdy is bad where he has to play from behind. Like, let's say Tampa gets a kickoff return touchdown, punt return touchdown, defensive touch, something, and they're up 7 nothing or 10 nothing. Like, do I like Brock Purdy having to come from behind? Not particularly. Um, but I do like the Niners here. I think they win. Un- unbelievably, I just talked my way through every game on the freaking card. Six teams on a bye. A lot of betting opportunities. I'll close out with a couple. Um, I'm also on the under in first half Cincinnati-Cleveland. I got under 23. I am over 44 on Jets-Bills. Looks like it's come down. So the line's moving against me. That's wonderful news. Uh, I'm on under 43 in KC-Denver. That's now 44. Line moving against me as well. Some Either some great reads or everybody else is wrong and I'm right. Um, in the World Cup. Now, the World Cup has been a boon for me. Unbelievable run. I have Brazil and under two and a half goals. I tried to predict the score exactly. I have two to one Brazil at pretty good odds. I have Vinicius Jr., anytime goal scorer. I'm throwing a dart with Richarlson as first goal scorer for Brazil. I just, I don't see Croatia coming back from an exhausting game against Japan that went overtime, that went penalty kicks. Meanwhile, Brazil is fully rested after beating down South Korea. I tried to look into the history of teams that lose in penalty kicks in the round of 16, how they do in the quarterfinals. There really wasn't anything going back to like 2006. Nothing that jumped out. But Croatia also, and this is the the, the key factor, they had, uh, according to one report, the oldest starting lineup of any team in the round of 16 since 2006. So then you've got to go overtime penalty kicks against a pretty damn good Japan team. So I, I, I have Brazil here. I don't know anybody that's not liking Brazil. That would be a colossal upset in the other match today. I have Argentina, Netherlands. I have, I I like Argentina in this one, but I am a little concerned. I think this one could be close. Um, I actually have draw and Argentina wins in overtime. So, Netherlands has faced some good teams, but nothing like Argentina. This is a huge step up in class. Argentina has looked pedestrian on the back line. The midfield has been just okay. And frankly, I don't think we've seen Argentina totally turn it on yet. They look good for 25 minutes against Mexico. They shredded Australia for a bit, but didn't 
totally run away and hide. This could be the game knowing that Brazil is next. Argentina-Brazil rematch from the Copa America final won by Argentina. Now, if you are looking far, far ahead, how's this? I, You know, I put some on Spain after they advanced to... Um, and Germany was eliminated. Spain to win the World Cup. That's out the window with Morocco gone. But that side of the bracket, who's coming out? Is it Port- Portugal? Is it England? Is it France? Because the way it shapes up Brazil and Argentina in the semifinal is going to be just an unbelievably massive game. Absolutely draining for both these teams. Humongous rivalry. Two South American powers. And it's the kind of game where in the NCAA tournament, Awesome matchup. The two teams battle in, you know, the Sweet 16 or whatever, and then they go to the Elite Eight, and they're just so drained from that game that they lose. And I can definitely see the winner of Brazil and Argentina losing in the final to, and my my guess today is England, but I don't know if I'm speaking with my heart on England because I'm kind of rooting for them. I am betting them to beat France. I have England winning in overtime as a bet. England money line plus 197. Um, second half, the highest scoring half. England-France is going to be everything Saturday morning. Now, my son has a volleyball tournament this weekend. We don't have the times yet, so I will be watching on my phone. I've already asked a couple dads who I know, um, like, not can I use your hotspot, but, um, hey, I might need it given the TV viewing options. Neither of the dads will be there. One of them has a birthday party in Vegas. I'm like, geez, that's not bad. The other one is is hosting this incredible event in LA. And so now I'm like, geez, I, I might have to get to a TV. Maybe I'll have to watch it in the car and just miss my kid's volleyball match. I mean, England, France, that's, that's must-see TV. I'll figure it out. And the other one, Portugal, Morocco. As I explained with the Croatia-Japan situation, Portugal, Morocco, Morocco, exhausting defensive effort to beat Spain, overtime, penalty kicks, that team is still celebrating the victory. I'm certain of it. The country we know is. Morocco, greatest win in the, in the history of the country in soccer. And now you got to bounce back and play Portugal coming off a 6-1 victory. And the other interesting aspect is, if you're Morocco, you do you game plan for Cristiano Ronaldo starting? Or his backup, who, oh, by the way, had a hat trick. And I was talking to my dad about my frustrations with the U.S. inability to find a striker. And just, I laid this out. Like, we scored three goals in four games. That's it. Our strikers have never delivered at the World Cup. Not in many, many years. Portugal puts on a backup for Cristiano Ronaldo, who is one of the five greatest players in the history of soccer, when you look at his accomplishments. His backup is a 21-year-old, and he gets a hat trick in 65 minutes. And we can't get a forward to score two goals at the World Cup. Like, it, it's just staggering when you really put it into that context. At any rate, I like Portugal against Morocco. I like it at one nothing. I think Portugal gets a goal in the first half. And they have a very stout defense. Portugal's dangerous here, folks. Because, again, England-France is going to be a war. I, I, I cannot wait for that game. I think it's the greatest game here of the uh, quarterfinals. And that winner... I think we'll face Portugal, and I think Portugal's going to be live in that one. Um, if you're looking for a goal scorer in England, France, everybody's going to bet Mbappe, but I, I love this matchup about Kyle Walker. And if you know anything about soccer, Kyle Walker is the um, fullback for England. He also plays for Manchester City, one of the fastest marking backs 
uh, fullbacks in the world. And I was texting some soccer friends like, what about this Kyle Walker Mbappe matchup? And they were like, oh, Walker has shut him down before. And the key is Walker plays at Man City, and I only know this because I play some FIFA, with Stones, another fullback on England. So they have, in a match, I guess recently in the last two years, shut down Mbappe. That will be fascinating, the the familiarity of the England defense and Mbappe. So I have Harry Kane scoring um, in England's game. I I have uh, draw and regulation and England winning in overtime. Again, some of these are dart throws. You know, you put down 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and you can win a lot. I don't necessarily recommend doing that, depending on your bankroll. But uh, again, England, uh, Portugal, Brazil, and Argentina. Argentina, I think I'm a little iffy on. I'm a little nervous about that game against Netherlands. Anyways, that's a long podcast. We'll be back Monday. Hopefully the Jets will have taken down the Bills. You'll win all your bets. The World Cup will go my way. We'll talk to you then. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.